Hi, and welcome to Mindful, Beautiful, and Thriving, a podcast series by Tharaka Foundation focused on youth mental health. Before we begin today's episode, I just wanted to let you all know that all content that is found in our podcast is created for informational purposes only. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, or therapy. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition, and never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard in this podcast. Thank you so much, and without further ado, let's get started. Hi, this is episode two of our series on how to work on improving your focus and study skills during high school. Here we have my co-host, John, and me, Zed. Today, we have an academic coach named Caitlin Hoffman. Hello, Caitlin. Thank you for taking the time to participate in our interview. Thank you for having me. Can you please tell us about the work you do? What is an academic coach? Okay, let's talk about what an academic coach is. So that is to optimize your academic performance. So if you're a high schooler and you want to be better at learning and showing what you know, and having a good academic performance, you would enjoy working with an academic coach. Most high school students really understand what a coach is already because many of you are on athletic teams with coaches, or let's say you're doing music and you have a music teacher, that person is coaching you all the time to have a better performance in what you're doing. Okay, that was interesting, and I was really curious about that topic. So an academic coach doesn't necessarily help people who are struggling, but it's meant to enhance how good you already are. That's interesting. Okay. So well, let me comment to- about that. You might be struggling, but once you start working with an academic coach, it's the academic coach that helps you stop the struggle and get into a mode where you're performing without the struggle. And you and your academic coach, you identify what the struggle is and you figure out solutions to stop the struggle and to start to perform really well. Okay, so we were wondering, like with what exact parts of like the academic, um, like parts you help with and who do you typically see come to you for help? Well, you both know this because you're teenagers. Every teenager is really unique and different. And at Academic Coaching Works, we have all kinds of different teenagers that come to the center and also work with us remotely. So it could be sixth grader, uh, middle schoolers, high schoolers, and we also coach college students. And we coach all different kinds of teenagers, the different kinds of learners. We really do specialize in attention deficit disorder, anxiety, depression, lack of motivation, and gifted kids. So we have a lot of students that are extremely gifted academically, but they don't turn in their work. Ever heard of that? Yes, we have. Okay. That was a very insightful answer. I thought an academic coach only helped with people who had a mental disorder like ADHD or depression, but I didn't know that they worked with everybody from sixth graders to college kids. Um, So what are some methods you use to help get students motivated to learn in general before the pandemic? Before the pandemic, we would get the student to agree to let us look at their grades, 
and at everything the teacher posts so that we could make them a really nice organized to-do list. And because this is a podcast, I can't show you what one of these lists look like, but I can describe it. So imagine, John, you have an academic coach and you give over the passwords and all the information and I can access everything your teachers are posting, including your grades. So what I would do when you're in school and you're busy at school, pre-pandemic, over here, we're making a one-page list and on that list, it'll have every single subject you're taking, everything that the teacher has posted, tests coming up, projects, anything that's going on, and your grades. And your grades would be out in detail, so to show whether you have any late work or missing work. So then when you come to the center, we have this one piece of paper that we can sit down and talk to you about how it's going in class, how you're learning in class, and how are you going to get this work done in a mode where you're thriving instead of barely surviving. I don't like the mode of survival mode. I like teenagers to be thriving. This is one way, to, one method that we use to help students, which is to help them be super organized about their workload and having the ability to plan it out over the course of the week and to be discussing with you what teachers are posting about their expectations of you. Wow, that was a really interesting answer. And I know like organization really helps because organization can prevent you from procrastination and helps you like put out your workload in a way that you're doing it, but you can also like help reduce your stress and get work done really efficiently. One of the fun things about working with an academic coach is you have somebody else to talk to that's not your parents. You have somebody to talk to who's an adult about your academic work who's not your parents. Can you see the benefit of that? Yeah, because I can see parents typically, like it's different because an academic coach is trying to help you to thrive, but you know, parents can punish you, they can scold you and stuff like that. So an academic coach is almost like, they're more level with you, like a partner. Like right. A parent is above you. They're trying to like teach you something, but an academic coach helps you like to collaborate, to do better by yourself. And that is brilliant because that word collaborate, what I love about academic coaches is they are on a first name basis with you. So I'm Caitlin, John, we partner together. And because I have a fully developed brain, I can, and I specialize in teenagers, I can partner with you and help you do things for which you don't have the maturity that I have. So I help you do things that you want to do to thrive and you need that little bit of help. And there is no, uh, like you said, it's collaborative and it's, I'm not your boss, right? I'm your partner. Yeah, that's Very really good. Helpful. Because teenagers, they typically, you don't always want to listen to someone above you. It's really, really nice to have someone to work like eye to eye with. Well, I don't really like hierarchy. I don't like authoritarian models. It's yeah. just not in my nature. And, you know, a lot of people who are working around the world, they're on teams and they're collaborating as professionals. There's a lot of people in the world right now that are not doing the hierarchy thing. They're doing the collaborative team model. Okay. So we were wondering, how do encouragement methods change or stay the same in an online setting during the pandemic? Well, the pandemic has really... Uh, thrown education for a big loop. It has been very, very difficult. Challenging beyond challenging. Um, 
you know, we were already struggling with teenagers using excessive amounts of screen time, video games, social media, right? We were already struggling with how much fun the internet is. And now we say, hey, go to school online. Here's all your devices, your phone, your laptop. And we want you to do your school day now with distance learning. Well, that's been really hard because it's so tempting to do a lot of other things, especially if you have a 90-minute class on Zoom and the teacher decides to talk to you for 45 minutes straight. That's hard to focus on. So it's very tempting to just pick up your phone during Zoom and just do something else, right? I agree with that very deeply. In the beginning of this whole online school type of thing, which was in March, maybe, you were sitting at home for hours on end. You're looking at your computer for around six to seven hours. And it just kind of gets boring because it's kind of just school without the fun parts. So all, every kid's going to be like, well, if I'm doing school and not seeing my friends, I don't have enough motivation to pay attention. And I kind of had that too. So I had to do something where I put all my distractions away from me. So that when I was in that online class, I just had to sit there and listen. That was extremely mature of you, like extreme maturity. Not, not very many teenagers have that much control. That was a tough one and you did it. That's awesome. Yeah, because I was getting to a point where school was beginning to be more like a weekend where instead of paying attention to your computer, you were more or less just doing nothing. You were just sitting in front of your computer. So I had to make it to a point where if I'm going to sit in front of a computer, it had to be for my education. Yes, that's really great. And I do want to acknowledge that it was pretty horrible for teenagers to suddenly be sequestered at home because teenagers love being in a huge herd of other teenagers. They love the passing periods and socializing and eating together and messing around and joking and laughing and doing all the activities you were doing together. You're, as teenagers, you are supposed to be together in person. That's, that's what's happening to you developmentally. You're learning from each other. You're, you're hanging out together. And then suddenly we take all that away and just give you the classes online. Really hard. Exactly. And it was hard for me because in the beginning of this whole pandemic, I thought eh, it's going to be over in two, three weeks. We'll go back to school. <laughs> so I wasn't really calling my friends that often. I was just like, you know what? It's okay because in two weeks I'll be back. Right. And now the whole thing has lasted over six months. So I've made it a routine to normally just call my friends. I, it's not the same, but at least you're still talking to them. Yeah. Yeah. And are you doing other things outside? Yes, I am. Okay, good. And are some of your activities back right now? Um, some of my activities are back. Like, I do piano. Okay. So that's back, but the teacher's sitting like 12 feet away from us, and right. everyone's wearing masks. So it's not ideal, but it's safe. All right. Well, good. You, you are a good model for teenagers to figure out ways to solve very difficult problems. So how have your students' responses to learning changed after the pandemic? Well, right now I'm working with about 35 families. They're all reacting in different ways. 
everybody seems to be trying to figure it out for their particular situation. You know what I mean? Like, what if you're an only child? That's really different because your house is a lot calmer, right? You're an only child. Yeah. So you can kind of take over the house. But if you are one of four siblings and let's say your parents also work from home, how in the world do you organize your house? And let's say you have two dogs and a cat. I mean, some people are dealing with chaos, like chaos. They cannot wait to get everybody back to these other places. If you're an only child, generally you have a little bit more quiet space, a little bit more room. So everybody's dealing with it differently. Teenagers that can drive, you know, older teenagers, they can hide in their car. Like they can go eat breakfast in their car and turn their laptop on. I have some kids that like to work in their cars because it's quiet. So everybody's dealing with it very differently. Obviously some teachers are doing such a fabulous job and making it as exciting as possible. And then other teachers don't know how to do it. And so it's hard. Some people have teachers that are really struggling with how to do the distance learning. So everybody's in a different situation. I know that like it's really chaotic for some people. I mean, in my household, it's not too chaotic. But I was also really wondering, do you see a lot of people who are completely slacking off? Their grades have just dropped. They're oh, not yes. COVID at all. Oh, yeah. So the brand new families that are coming on board to Academic Coaching Works, we have kids who are up gaming all night long. They're not waking up to go to class. They've stopped turning in work. It's a disaster. So when the parents hire me, I have to help get everything back on track, which is a big job, right? It's working with the teachers, working with the school, helping the parents figure out how to set up the house so that they're not up till 4 a.m. gaming. I'm just using that as an example. It could be other things. But yeah, no, some kids are really having a tough time and really shutting down. And uh, some kids, because they've been with me a while now, they're doing really well because we had to put some serious structure in place. But like you said earlier, not in an authoritarian way, but more in a way of like, listen, this is very dysfunctional. Are you willing to make some changes? Because I would really like to make this better. It, this isn't going to go well if you keep doing this. Yeah, and it really, you need to organize your schedule in a way so that you're working efficiently. So like, right. like my co-host said, in the beginning in March, you know, I, was, I wasn't staying up until 4, but I was staying up pretty late, maybe like 11 or 12. I was waking up at like 8 or 9 in the morning, starting my work at like 10 or 11. But then in the summer, after like four months, I went through like an immediate change, and I started going to bed at like, at like 10. I woke up at like 7. So since then... I've been in like a more organized and productive way. I've been going to sleep early. I've been waking up early. I've been getting my work done. And I know a lot of kids, like you said, they don't even sleep. Some people just, they stay up the entire night. Like, and it also helps when you have a lot of familiar support. Right. But like a, a lot of people don't have that. They, their families are more like detached. So everyone is in their own rooms almost the whole day. They won't eat the same meals together. So it really creates an environment where they are like, you know, why can't I have fun? And they just stay right. up until like five, six right. in the morning. They don't do work and no one's telling them not to. Well, I love the fact that you put sleep as a top priority because aren't you in a better mood? Mm -hmm. I, I actually, I really like getting my sleep. I love going yeah. to sleep early. Yeah. Uh, it feels so good, right? You wake up in the morning and you're ready to take on the day.
I, I like waking up early on weekends. So I typically, like, by, like, 8.30, I'm, like, tired. So I, I go to sleep early, I wake up, and I just start my day. Well, that is just fantastic for your well-being, and that's how, that's how you can be, have fun, because you're rested. Um, yeah, well, you know, this, the saddest thing of all is the disconnection, like you described, that can occur in a family where everybody's kind of off. You know, I think you probably feel the same way. I love cooking a great meal and sharing it with people that I love because it's fun. Having a meal together with no devices, you're eating delicious food and you're enjoying some time together. Families, some families are doing a great job with that. They're really emphasizing, hey, let's all get some good sleep. Let's eat some good food. So I commend you for making sleep a priority because it makes your ability to do work tremendously better. And that kind of rest increases your productivity and you're working smarter instead of harder. You're more effective. You're more efficient. That's really great. Yeah, I can resonate with your um, family keeping you grounded because when this whole online setting changed, really the only thing I had that was the same was my family because you still see your family every day. It doesn't make that much of a difference. And now, like, what me and my parents like to do is on, like, Friday, we all just like to cook dinner and then we eat together. So that was the same before the pandemic, and I'm kind of glad it stayed the same after, the, like, during the pandemic because that's kind of one thing in my routine in the beginning of this whole thing that was just constant. Yeah. And, you know, how about your senses of humor? I think it's really, really important several times a day to have things that are funny. Um, which is really good for your brain chemistry. But, you know, this has been such a hard time for so many people around the world that if you can have moments in the day where you find a reason to laugh, I think you've got to lighten up because it's so heavy. Uh, you've got to have times where, in addition to the good sleep and the meals and all that, you also have to have times where things are just funny. We can't all get so sad that we just can't pick ourselves back up, right? Do you do things to, that are funny? Yeah, um, we've been doing a lot of funny stuff. Like, we actually started kind of a family game night thing. So every, like, Friday, Saturdays, we always just meet together as a family and play board games together. Yeah. So what are some study skill tips that you recommend to kids who are having a hard time keeping up their grades? So this is kind of a boot camp thing that you have to do. You have to basically make sure that you understand what is online. You cannot procrastinate. You've got to get ready before class starts. You can't just like turn on and jump into class without any preparation. So you have to know what is posted online, what is my responsibility, and you have to know what's going on. So you have to take some time to prepare for your online experience. You need to know what your grades are. You need to check your email. Teachers are emailing teenagers and teenagers are not even reading their emails. You need to look at what's posted online. You need to prepare ahead of time. And then you have to figure out how you're going to get it done. You kind of talked about this where you have to have some good sleep and some good food so that you can focus. You have to have a work environment that works. I don't think working, if you can help it, it's better to be out of your room and in a space that's separate so that you really feel like, okay, this is my workspace. 
and this is my other space for relaxing or going to sleep or whatever. So separating out so that you create a work environment for yourself. If you don't know how to use the technology that the teacher is requiring, you need to meet with your teacher and really understand how you are supposed to navigate all the things that the teacher is delivering. So this is really complicated because before you could show up to class, sit at your desk and receive information and ask questions in real time and all this other stuff. Now you really have to be aware of where all the things are that are posted. There's a lot of expectations of you as a student. So if you're not understanding at all, you need to have one-to-one -one meetings with your teachers. You need to ask those questions. I recommend the one-to-one -one meeting with your teacher because that's more private and the other people online are not gonna be listening to your questions. You should get time and have the courage to do it. If you're not doing well in your classes, have the courage to meet with your teacher privately, figure out a plan to make up the work, ask for help. Asking for help is so important. There's no way that it's the end of your life if you're failing a class, it's not. It's repairable. You can fix it and ask for help and things will get better. That is a promise. If you ask for help, you will get the help one way or another and you can fix things. Everything is repairable. Yeah, because I know like during Zoom classes, anytime I'm unsure, I'll ask like a bunch of questions. But teachers, they really don't seem they, they like when students ask questions. Every time I ask a question, my teachers will be like, thank you for asking that question. So other kids will just, you know, they, they won't ask their questions. They feel embarrassed or something. Right. But I just go out and just ask my questions. Well, asking those questions, you're helping everybody else, actually. And being passive during distance learning is not very helpful. And I'm glad you're jumping in there and asking questions because also you're helping it be less boring for everybody because they have to tune in and listen to your questions. I agree with what you're saying. It's kind of hard to ask questions because you kind of are the spotlight in front of everybody. And I also feel as though like by this time in the year, it's almost been two months, no, a month maybe, but you would probably know everyone in your class and you know your teacher. But in this online setting, it's hard to develop personal relations with your teachers and people yeah. in the class. Like yeah. right now, I'm so alien to people in my class because I don't really know who they are and they don't know who right. I am. Right, so I think the different learning styles, if you're comfortable asking the question during class time, that's fine. And if you're not, then make that one-to-one -one time with your teacher. I think everybody has a different situ situation in their social, emotional relationships with the teacher and your, your classmates. I mean, it, it has to be comfortable for you. And so fortunately, you can email a teacher, you can meet online with a teacher, you can, if you are, friends with people in your class you can meet with them outside of class a lot of times your classmates can be very very helpful to something maybe you did not understand so if you do have people you're comfortable with that are in your class start a study group outside of class so talking about study groups how would you what advice would you give to kids to overcome zoom fatigue because now more than ever we're just sitting and staring at screens. So it obviously makes us very tired. I gotta tell you, I cannot stand Zoom fatigue. I have it myself. And I just think we're in front of screens way, way, way too much. 
So I don't know if you notice up here on these two signs, but up there it's unplugged from technology, connect with life by coastal retreats. This past summer, in order to get over my Zoom fatigue, because when we had the pandemic last school year, I had extreme Zoom fatigue by the middle of June. So I went to the state of Maine and lived there for six weeks and tried just to give it all up. So that's very extreme. I do take teenagers off of technology for two whole weeks during the summer because I think we have to get off our devices. Um, what I would say right now with Zoom fatigue, if you can, as much as you possibly can, disconnect from your devices. One thing that I do that works really well, I have zero notifications. There's no dinging. My phone doesn't ring. I have to pick up my phone to open it up and check to see if I have email or text or voicemail or anything on my phone. So one thing you can do is don't get interrupted all the time by your devices. Get away from them. Just spending two hours with zero devices, not even near you. So if you can clear out the kitchen and the living room when you have your meal time, everybody has to put their devices on the other side of the house. So you're not hearing anything. You will get some rest from the device. You have to detox from the device. This takes initiative. You have to want it, but you have to get rid of the devices and you have to ask everybody in your house to do it with you so that you know, it's awful if you disconnect from your device and then you have a parent who's reading 50 million emails, right? That's not unplugging. That's just you unplugging and then somebody else has the device in front of you. So if you want to have some rest and recover from Zoom fatigue, you have to get all the devices out and you have to decide how much time can you get away from the device. Your brain needs rest. Zoom classes give a lot of fatigue and even nowadays, but especially more during the pandemic, a kid who doesn't use screens too much still can't avoid using screens for more than six to seven hours. Like, I don't use screens too much. I have to use screens for five hours during school, right? And then you have to look at your phone to take pictures of stuff during classes. Yeah. And then, then after Zoom classes, you, like, it's, it's hard to shift immediately from screens to something else. Then, you know, you'd want to watch, like, TV or something like that. So if you... Just watch maybe one hour of just TV in one day during like before the pandemic. That's good. But now during the pandemic, that's like seven hours of screen time right there. So yeah. everyone is tired. So one of the things that you should do, both of you, are you, I want to tell you a couple things. I want to give you some ideas when you're on Zoom. Do you have a really big exercise ball? Yeah, yeah. One of those. Um, do you sit on one yeah. of those instead of a chair? No. So try this out next week when you go to school at your house we have these very large exercise balls use that as a chair and you're going to bounce around and move on it also um i i believe even though it's wasting paper um i believe in printing out a lot of things on paper so you're not looking at a screen so before your week starts you can print out a lot of the things that the teacher has posted and then you can just have highlighters and pens and look at the paper instead of the screen. This really helps. So if the teacher has posted something on the screen, but you can also print it out, have it printed out and look at it on a piece of paper and get your eyes off the screen. 
there are so many fun things you can do to your work environment. Make sure you're drinking water during the day at your desk. Make sure you have squishy balls. Make sure you have paper that you can doodle on. Do things that are different to get your brain off of the screen. While someone is lecturing you, you don't have to stare at the screen. You can just listen and look at you know, a plant on your desk, which is better than constantly having your eyeballs on that screen. Does this make sense? That actually makes a lot of sense because I have this like, I have this thing I just use yeah. in school. So I just like roll around and play yeah. with it during like school. That is so good. But you can, you know, does the teacher see you if you're doing jumping jacks for a few minutes in the middle of it? Mindfulness has become this big word that you hear all the time. Yeah. There's so many fun breath work things that you can do. Grab something like that with your hands. You have to have some physical movement going on. You can't sit there like a robot hunched over your computer. Not good, right? Not good. They might be able to see you doing jumping jacks, but when you turn off your camera, you can just get away with that easily. And also, yeah. on the topic of mindfulness, usually between classes, now like we have a 10-minute break and so, I just like to run a mile. So between the classes, I'm just running in my house for like nine minutes, and then at the 10 minute, I just sit down, drink some water, and get on my class. So that running that you're doing creates breath work, which is a part of mindfulness. What that is doing is regulating yourself. You're, you're getting better brain power. You're getting oxygen moving through you. That movement is so good, what you're doing. It helps you be better at learning. It's so good for your whole body, but it's also good for your brain. Fantastic idea. I am a firm believer. When you get out of breath, you are relaxing everything when you sit back down. It's so good for focus and so good for you. I agree with that. So on this episode of Mindful, Beautiful, and Thriving, we interviewed Caitlin Hoffman, who is an academic coach, and we learned many more ways to stay focused and improve your study skills during high school. Thank you for listening to our podcast. This is the Tarika Foundation, and you are listening to Mindful, Beautiful, and Thriving. Be sure to stay safe and stay home. Thank you, Caitlin. You're welcome. Thank you. You are listening to Mindful, Beautiful, and Thriving a podcast series by Tharika Foundation. As part of our youth series, we will be releasing new episodes every weekend, so make sure to continue to check those out. We hope you enjoyed this podcast, and thank you so much for listening.